We're so glad you're here. And um, in case you haven't been here, or maybe just it's the first time, or first time in a long time, uh, I hope you got a chance to fill out a connection card. Should have got a program as you came in. Fill out that card. Let us know about your visit with us today. And uh, we're, we're so glad that you came today. Now, we're in the middle of a, of a series called Fisher Upper. Fisher Upper. And, um, and we're talking about building godly marriages. How to build godly marriages. If you missed the last couple of weeks, I want to review real quickly. All of us, if you're married, all of us are in a fissile upper marriage. See, marriage is high maintenance. There's no such thing as a low-maintenance man or a low-maintenance woman. We're all high-maintenance because we all got work to do. It's constantly in a state of repair. We have to constantly work at it. Once you think your marriage is fixed and you don't think you need to do any more work, think again. You're <laughs> not done. Because it's always, always need to be worked on. Now, last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked foundationally, on a foundational level. We need to seek God in your marriage. Make him number one. Your spouse is not your number one. He's your number two. You make God number one, and all of these things in your marriage will be blessed. You will be blessed in your walk with God when you seek him to be number one. Then last week, we challenged you to hold nothing back, to hold nothing back, to go all in in your marriage as you mutually submit to each other in your marriage. Now today, I want to talk about having fun. Having fun in your marriage. Because so often, people don't have fun. They don't have fun. Oftentimes, couples, when they're in a boyfriend and girlfriend, they have a lot of fun when they're dating. You know, when they get married, life happens, and oftentimes they drift away from the fun. They stop enjoying each other. I want to submit to you that God really takes great joy when we enjoy the blessings of marriage. I want to read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9. I want to look at it in two versions. I want to look at the New Living Translation, and then I want to look at it again in the NIV. Uh, in the New Living Translation, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. In other words, there are a lot of days where you just go to work, go home, and there's a kind of meaningless. But a blessing, a blessing is to live happily with the woman that you love. It goes on to say that the wife God gives is your reward for all of your earthly toil. So live happily with your wife. She is a reward. If we look at the NIV, just the very first part of the verse, it says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. And I would say that without fun, without adventure, without romance, without physical intimacy, 
marriage can be reduced to a simple business relationship, almost like a partnership. Two people, roommates, living under the same roof, but living two separate lives. And what happened, and what's interesting, is that people don't fall in love having a bad time, do they? That never happens. How often do you know somebody that falls in love with someone, somebody, that they're totally bored with? You, you never heard of it. You never hear this. You never hear. Have you ever heard a young girl say, oh, wow, you know, he is so awesome. We get together and we do nothing. We just sit around. We've got nothing in common. Oh, man, every now and then he might play on the video games and just kind of veg out. I mean, life is so boring. Man, it's great. You never hear that, right? You never hear that. Oftentimes what you hear is, wow, we have so much in common. And it's so much fun when we get together. Otherwise, if you don't have that, you wouldn't marry that person. Something happens. You get married. And some people lose all the fun. They lose all the adventure. A great statement that I've learned when I was in college, if you want to take notes, is this. I learned this statement. How you got them is how you keep them. How you got them is how you keep them. And here's the truth, men. Oftentimes, we pursue a woman before we're married. We pursue because we're hunters. That's what we do. That's in our makeup. We're warriors. All right, and then we get married, and we go on, we pursue other things. It's how we're wired. We like to hunt, we like to conquer, we like to make the kill, we like to win. We like to do that. You know, we shoot a deer, we go hunting, we go shoot a deer, and then what we do, we put the deer up on the wall, and, and then we go and we move on to something else. And unfortunately, a lot of men, we do that with our own wives. I mean, we work hard, to get, and we, I mean, we woo them in the relationship, in the dating relationships. I mean, we're wooing them. I mean, we're putting in our best stuff. I mean, we got the romance down. And then for some odd reason, we get married. It's like we've got, we, we succeeded. I've won. Now I get to pursue something else. And we do, I see this all the time. I see men pursuing careers. You know, they're, they're chasing a six-figure dream or that boat or that car or that house or they're pursuing the other hobbies. And not that their wife isn't important. It's just I've already conquered. I've already got that. Now it's time for me to move on. And we lose the fun. We lose out what we once had. Sometimes we say, oh, I just don't have time for fun. I'm too busy chasing all this other stuff. And I would say this. You don't have time not to have fun. It's important that you have fun. If you don't have fun in your marriage, one day you may not have a marriage. And so today, I want to talk about fun. Three types of fun that every couple must have. 
Just for the record, I've heard of these three points, and I am implementing here these three points. And I just think that these three points are great. You might hear these three points and say, Scott, it's really, really cheesy. And I'm going to say, well, you're going to remember them. And because you remember them, it can be effective. And it can be great. So I'm going to give you three awesome points today, and I hope that will help you out. Here's the first type of fun that every married couple must enjoy, and I call it face-to-face -face fun. Face-to-face -face fun. This is when you and your spouse get together, enjoy, enjoy each other's company face-to-face. Now, when we were dating, when you were dating, couples can talk and talk and talk and talk. I even heard, uh, and, you know, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but, you know, I heard that they will talk till 2 o'clock in the morning. They'd be on the phone talking till 2 o'clock in the morning, and then they run out of stuff to say. Y'all been there, right? You run out of stuff to say, and then you just sit there and just listen to each other breathe. And finally, it's time to go. And you say, you go. And then you say, all right, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. It's this whole cheesy game. You do it. Because you want to talk. You enjoy the conversation. You enjoy the conversation. You talk and you talk and you talk. But then when you get married, all of the face-to-face -face time ends up being business time. You know, who's going to get the kids? Are you going to take the kid to basketball practice or soccer practice? No, you're going to take her to dance. You know, oh, can you, can you stop by the store and pick up some milk? And, and it's all the business talk, and not that it's important, you've got to talk about those things, but it replaces the intimate face-to-face -face time that you once had. And it's not intimate. Now, I want to show, show you three different portraits of Scripture in the in the song, in the song of Solomon. And I want you to see these three types of fun. We're going to break it down. And I want you to see this. You see a conversation between a, a Shulamite woman. And we'll see his a relationship with Solomon. And we'll see how their relationship progressed of these three different types of fun. And so I want us to see the first type of fun face to face. And I want you to watch as Solomon compliments the Shulamite woman, I want you to see how to compliment her, starting at the feet and romantically works his way up her entire body until he's looking her in her eyes. And she totally hears. I want you to see this, okay? John of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 1. He says, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hand. I mean, this guy's good, isn't he? I mean, watch, keep watching him. He said, your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Now, I don't really understand that part, but um, I'm sure it worked for her. And so the next verse, but keep reading on. The next verse may, might make you blush a little bit, but your breasts are like two bones, like twin bones of a gazelle. Your neck. It's like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Hezbon by the gates of Bath Rabin. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Now, what is he doing? What is happening here? He's talking to her intimately, intimately, face to face. You know what else he's doing? 
Man, this is Solomon talking. I want you to see this. He's giving her details. Men, I want you to say details. All right, let's say it again. Men, say details. All right, here's the fact. Men like headlines. Women, you know what women like? They like details. We men like to get away from details. Women, they want to talk. They want the details. Men, we just like the headlines. But we have to understand that it's important for the wife to have the detailed conversation, the intimate face-to-face -face conversation, because your relationship works best when you have intimate, ongoing conversation. You must doubt it. You must protect it, because if you don't, life will squeeze the intimacy out of the face-to-face -face fun. And it happens. It happens to all of us. It can happen to me and my wife. It can happen to you. You can get busy with the kids. You can be driving them around and trying to have a face-to-face -face conversation. That's not a face-to-face -face real conversation. Or sitting at the movie. That's not a face-to-face -face conversation. That might be in the next point. We'll talk about that in a minute. But face-to-face -face conversation. Let me say this. You can't have face-to-face -face conversation and be on your cell phone at the same time. Not going to happen. Not going to work. Intimate face-to-face -face time. You have to create it. You have to guard it. And you have to do it. Or your marriage will suffer. All right, here's the second fun. It's side-to-side fun. Side-to-side fun. This is where you're hanging out. Hanging out with your best friend. You're doing something you enjoy with your wife or your husband. It's enjoying time doing common activities. Look at John of Solomon chapter 7, verse 11. It said, Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend a night in the villages. In other, in other words, let's go hang out and get a weekend getaway. Let's go somewhere. Let's, let's put the kids up with the in-laws or with the parents. And let's go. Let's go do something. Let's get away. Let's have some fun together. Now, while women typically crave the face-to-face -face time, men generally crave more side-to-side -side time. When a man is hanging out with his wife, doing something that they enjoy, for some reason it makes a man feels valued. He sees his wife as his very best friend, and it's an incredibly bonding experience for both, especially for the man. I, I know Karen, when, I, you know, when she was pregnant, I'd say, and I love playing golf, and I said, Karen, why don't you come with me? Go play, you know, watch me play golf. And she had a bunch of other things to do. She could get the house ready, but she said, all right, I'll go with you. And I said, listen, she was, you know, pushing nine months, you know, eight, nine months. I said, listen, I'll find a golf course that got the bumpiest cart path. And I will help that baby go along. And that's what she did. I found the cheapest golf course you could find with the $10 to play nine holes. It was cheap. Cheap. That's because they barely had any grass, okay? That's how bad this place was in Florida. And, and I got her with me. And, and we're hitting these. I mean, I'm looking for the potholes in the cart path. And I'm hitting it hard. You know, because I'm thinking this might help the baby process. I'm not sure that it helped or not, um, uh, but we did have a bad back for a couple of days, and uh, that didn't help. But you know what? The fact is, she came out and hanging out with me. She didn't win a golf club, but she was willing to suffer through some pain, to hang out and to do something with me 
คือจำเป็นแต่ I enjoy คือ I จำเป็นที่จะว่า God I don't like God it's boring and so when you go along and that does something you enter into his world and man you enter into her world and you say shopping man I rather be tortured by waterboarding than to go shopping but you do it you go along and it does something for her Or maybe for you, you like to play board games, take walks. Maybe in the morning, you like to sit out on the back porch and drink coffee, and just hang out, watch the birds, or side to side time. So important. Enter into each other's world. Ladies, enter into man's world. Men, you enter into her world. Do what each other enjoy to do. Watch a show with her that she might enjoy. Right? It doesn't have to involve a movie that blowing up stuff. Right? You might go and watch a romantic movie, a love movie. It might not be your cup of tea, but you do it. You go shopping with her. Man, you might even go. You might even you might even go get a pedicure or a manicure with your wife. And by the way, it's a universal law, man. You're allowed to have one trick, one trick thing. Uh, you won't lose a man card over it. All right? For me, you know, it's a cup of massage. I won't lose my man card over it. All right? You're allowed one, maybe two. No more than that. All right? But do something. Uh, step into her world. Later, you step into his world and do some stuff together. Do some side to side fun time. Now, if you're single, your fun stops here. You can do the face to face, you can do the side to side. And then the, the third part is preserved for those who are married. You ready for the third one? Third point is this. Please don't, please don't hurt me here. <laughs> belly button to belly button fun. <laughs> Somebody say amen. There we go. You'll remember that for sure, right? The Shulamite woman said to Solomon in Son of Solomon chapter 7, In verse number 12, he says, Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. Here she says, Let's have some belly button to belly button fun time. Let's have some physical and romantic fun. And you say, Well, does God like that? Of course he does. God created sex. If we want to look at God's word, here's a passage of scripture. We don't have time to read this entire passage, but look at Genesis chapter 2, and let's look at verse number, look at verse number 23. This is Adam and Eve. Eve just came out of, out of a rib, out of Adam. And, and, and the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, verse 23. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they became one flesh. By the way, that phrase, that verse, it, in Scripture, it's said five times. Five times we see this verse. Man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they became one flesh. Five times through Scripture you see that verse. Jesus even quoted this passage of Scripture. We looked at it last week. Verse 25, Adam and his wife were both, were both naked. 
and they felt no shame. So let me give you two quick points, and then I want to get practical for a few minutes. Here's the first point, if you're taking notes. Theft is a God-given gift. God-given gift. So often used in a God-forbidden way. Theft is a God-given gift. So often used in a God-forbidden way. It's the first command that, that God gives to Adam and Eve. He said to be fruitful and to multiply. And to be fruitful and to multiply didn't mean to go plant a garden. It literally means to multiply, to have physical intimacy, to have sex, and multiply by having children. By the way, this is the only command that human beings have ever been able to follow. <laughs> no, no problem here. But the sad thing is, is that so many people have taken this God-given gift and used it in a God-forbidden way. And because it's been used in a God-forbidden way, brokenness, pain, and regret, and low self-esteem has become a result when that had been dishonored the way that God had intended it for. But when it's used correctly, the way God had it planned for, it's a good gift. It's a great gift. And we need to see that. Not dirty. Not sinful. It's not a necessary evil. And this world had, had twisted set to be so taboo and to be so, oh, don't touch it. But God has intended to be a wonderful thing in the realm, in the boundaries of marriage. God created it. God invented it. And you might think, man, it's weird to talk about this stuff. It's weird to talk about sex in church. It's weird to talk about the marriage bed in church. But for far too long, we have taken the bed out of the church, and the church out of the bed. It's too taboo. And you know what? Our children, we're, we're, they're learning it somewhere else. They're learning it somewhere else in a perverted way where we should be talking about it in a healthy way, in a biblical way. God has given us this gift. He has given us a wonderful gift. Now soon, it'll be a great time It'll be a great time of the year to have bonfires. Some of you love bonfires on a nice, cool night. You know, we got that, right? All right. And of course, if you have kids, what do they want to do with the bonfire? They want to play with it, right? They, get a, they go and find a stick, and then they, they, they pull the stick into the, into the fire pit, and then they got a little fire on the, on the tip of their stick, and then they want to run around with it and play sword fight with it, you know, and you're like looking at me and said, that never happened in my family. It didn't happen in my family either, um, but I know it happens, okay? And we do all this stuff, and then it gets really crazy. It gets dangerous. And here's the point. That's just like fire. In, in fact, God talks about, you know, the marriage bed being on fire. You know, it's on fire. And when it's in the fireplace, that's where it belongs. And the fireplace is the holiness in the, of marriage. That's where marriage belongs. 
And when sex is in the marriage fireplace, it's safe, it's warm, it's comfortable, it's right where it needs to be. But when sex is outside of the fireplace, you know, bad things happen. The house burns down. You know, people get hurt. Lives get ruined. And so we've got to be careful with the misuse of sex. By the way, when you're talking to your kids, you know, so often we give the message to our kids that sex is bad, bad, bad. And so they got in their mind that, oh, no, I can't talk about sex. Sex is terrible and it's bad. And, of course, we don't want them talking about it with their friends at school. But they should be able to have a conversation with with the parent. And, And the message that you should be teaching them is wait. Wait. It's a wonderful gift that God has given in the right place, in the fireplace of marriage. Wait. Wait. Turn a negative and turn it into a positive. Here's the second quick point. Sex is sacred and it's spiritual. I wish I could spend more time on this. But Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 in the message translation it says, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between a wife and husband. Underline that word, will you? If you would, the word sacredness. The word sacredness means to set apart. It's to set apart. See, sex is far more than a physical act. Sex has spiritual ramification. Sex is sacred. And when you understand that it's sacred, that it's set apart, that it's been set apart by God for marriage, you will understand that, man, God will bless. God will bless it in a proper way. When, when sex is misused, God will not bless it. He will not bless the gift that he has given to you and to us. So let me take some advice. Let me, we got a few minutes here. Give you some advice. Because I believe that one of the best things you can do for your marriage is to have some physical and intimate fun. So let me give some advice to the men and to the woman. Men, first of all, if you want to take notes, work on your approach. Work on your approach. Be creative. Vary your approach. Be tender in your approach. Quit doing the same approach all the time. Don't get out of the shower and walk around and say, hey, honey, do you want some of this? And and beat your approach every time. No. Bury your approach. Be romantic. Now, understand this. Romantic means something different to men, because I'm a man, okay, than it does to a woman. It's a total, two, def- two, two total def- different definitions. For men, they think the word romance equals sex. Woman, romance means a whole lot more. So I'm trying to help you guys out here. Right, so you've got to learn this important romantic phrase. I teach this in all of our premarital counseling. It's good sex begins at breakfast. Write that down. That's good stuff. For some of you guys, you say, oh, man, what does that mean? That means you start a romantic approach 
way early. Way early. That means being, you bring home the flowers, writing out a little love note out of the blue, saying words of affirmation. Surprise her with a date. Surprise her by cleaning the house. Surprise her by doing something on a romantic level. Work on your approach. Work on your approach. Romance. Listen to her. Have some face-to-face -face fun time. And a little bit of side-to-side -side fun time. That's what it means. Good set begins at breakfast. All right? Advice for the ladies. Just make an approach. Any approach. Just make an approach. <laughs> so take a note. Good set begins right now. Don't have to wait. We're wired differently. Men. Get a little romantic. You know, play some music. Draw a bath. Give a back rub. Put on a little Marvin Gaye music and say, let's get it on, baby. <laughs> you got them. You got them. Have some fun. Have some fun. Have some fun. Man, I better, the, better, the offering better be good today, Tom. The offering better be good. Have some fun. But you got to do it. Got to do the face-to-face. You got to do the side to side, and then you got to do the belly button to belly button. It's all important in a marriage relationship. And for some married couple, you're lacking this area of intimacy. Here's my advice. Start doing what you once did, and you'll get what you once had. Start doing what you once did, and you'll start getting what you once had. To have, what, to have what you once had, you must do what you once did. How you get them is how you keep them. So what are you going to do? If you, want what you want, if you want what you once had, do what, do what you once did. Start having fun. Start having fun. Face to face, side to side. Start having fun again. If you had fun at one point, do it again. You can have fun again. Get creative. Make it a priority. You say, but I don't like it. You said, but there's a guy at work that he meets my emotional needs better than my husband at home. Or you said, man, there's a cute little girl at the gym, and, and I'd like to get to know her a little bit better. And I say this, if the grass looks greener on the other side, then go water the, your, own, your, your own yard. Water your own yard. Invest in your own marriage. Invest in the yard that you're in. Because the grass is never, it's never greener on the other side, even though it may look like that from a distance. Because they get over there, and you will find the same struggles, and it'll be worse, because God won't bless it. Water your own yard. Enjoy life with the wife and the husband that God has blessed you with. I know, and I realize that there may be some of us here today. You've made some mistakes in the past. You've made some mistakes. But here's the, here's the truth of the, of, the, of the matter is this. God has given you hope. God can restore. God can restore. If you're single, 
If you're single, God, and you messed up and you said, man, I, I have done some things in the past I wish we haven't done. God can change your future. There's still hope for the future. I tell the singles, your sex life starts now in your mind. How you think and how you see sex and how you see God sees sex. And if you're married, honor your spouse by living lives of purity, which will always lead to intimacy. Don't live a secret life. It would destroy what you once had with your spouse. You see, God wants to do something new. You say, man, I've been, I've been struggling. I've been in some pain. I've been hurt. Now, realize that as we talk about the the, the, the wonderful gift of sex. Satan had destroyed so many lives over it. But there's hope. There's hope. God wants to create something new. Isaiah 43. Got the first up. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. That's God. I am doing a new thing. Don't, don't think about the past. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He wants to bring in fresh water, water into your life. Well, you might be like, man, God, I've been so dry spiritually. God wants to bring a new life into your marriage, a new life into your walk. If you're single, he wants to give you a new life, a new hope for the future. Only God can restore I pray that today. I pray that we would have fun in the marriage the way that God intended it to be. God has given us his gift. And I pray that we would use it in a God-honoring way. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this important part of the message series about intimacy and sex. Help us to not to see sex such a dirty word, but to see it as a beautiful thing that you created. And so often it's been misused by the world. God, I pray that we will start living according to your word. To live, it, to live your word when it comes to sex. That you will reserve it into the, into the fireplace of marriage where it's safe and warm. And it's so important because it's so sacred. It brings oneness to the couple. One, oneness to the marriage couple. God, I pray for those who are single. God, I pray that they will continue to, be, to wait for the one that you have for, for him or for her. To stay pure in their mind. And to start living in the, in the wait because the payoff someday will be great. The payoff and the reward for waiting, it could be wonderful. God, I realize there's some of us here, whether they're married or single, that had a past, a past that they regret, that brought pain, brokenness. But God, I pray that today, that they could be encouraged to know that you will forgive, and you have forgiven, and that, God, you can restore them to a wonderful and beautiful place that you're working something new in your heart. God, you, we can't change the past. But God, we can change the future. With your help, we can change the future.
And so God, I pray that in all of our marriages here, we start living a life of fun, face to face, with the details, side to side as we, as we enter into each other's lives. And God, I pray for the belly button, the belly button. Although we'll probably never forget that point. It's so important. It's so important that we have, that we guard the sacredness of sex in marriage. And join them, I pray. Amen. You remain seated. It hangs 
Thank you.